What's up? Do we always start by saying what's up? Don't we always do that? I think so. Is that our new thing? That we always end by catch you on the flippity flip. <laughs> We're brought to you today by Red Letter Clothing, redletterclo.com. Go check out the merch. Also, leave us, please leave us a review, five-star review on however you're listening to this. Share it. Follow us on social media. What's our What's our Twitter tag again? At sports and underscore Jesus. And that's an underscore, not the word underscore. So um, we got we got something cool for y'all. If you can kind of hear a car going on in the background, that's because we've got stats on the line. (laughs) Can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you. Um, As of now, we've got stats on the line. Whether he'll be on the line in five minutes is a uh, a good question. But uh, how you been, stats? How's everything going? Wait, I need our cricket drop. Wait, we're not plugged in to our soundboard anymore. <laughs> Crickets. Hey, Stats, can you hear us? Yes, I'm speaking. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can hear you now. Um, how's everything been going? It's been going good. We're all, Living the dream. All your fans. And by the dream, you mean the American dream, right? Because um, according to Piper, we're supposed to be against the American dream and follow Jesus instead. I lost you after Piper. You'll catch it. You'll hear it when you're listening to this episode. It'll be real funny. So um, we've got an exciting topic for for you today. Um, Probably our most highly debated slash controversial topic up to this point. And uh, we need to... Ah, we're not plugged into the soundboard. That'd be a perfect time for a drum roll. But um, <laughs> drum- <laughs> um, the topic for today is election slash wow. predestination. Ooh. Ooh, so um, so election. So who'd you vote for, Joy? Uh, I really don't remember. Who'd you vote for, Stats? Like three years Who'd you ago? vote for? Trump 2020! Trump 2020! 2020 hadn't happened yet, but... Uh... <laughs> Who did I vote for? Yeah, okay. Well, that's not what we mean by election. Who did you vote for? Obviously, that's not what we mean by election. That's not. It's anonymous. <laughs> you said it was controversial. It's, it's either both of these today. Yeah. I okay. vote for Jesus. Yeah, vote for Jesus. Jesus 20 this year Never. we're in. Always. Jesus always. All the 20s. Jesus 20 eternity. <laughs> yeah. Jesus 20 forever. Um, so what what we're wanting to do is we've kind of been, you know, we, topics wise, we kind of wanted to find a series of, of where to go. And, and I think we found it. And I'm getting this from, this is in Grudem, Wayne Grudem Systematic Theology. Mm-hmm. So he's got set up the order of salvation. Um, and he's got 10 different points. And so we're going to kind of work our way, do an episode on each. Um, they, they will be interrupted at times. We've got a few interviews set up this summer that will interrupt. And if anything else comes up, you know, this is just going to be kind of when we don't have anything else planned. We're going to work our way through these. Well, we don't have something planned. We have something planned. Yep, we have something planned for the times that there are no plan. <laughs> that? We're, getting, we're getting smarter. Yep, planning it. So, um, order of salvation, we've got today's episode is on election. Um, that's number one. Number two is gospel call. Number three is regeneration. Number four is conversion. 
Number five is justification. Number six is adoption. Number seven is sanctification. Number eight is perseverance. Number nine is death. And ten is glorification. Where where would you say stats you're at on that um those numbers? Stats. stats. One more time. Where where would you say you're at in that, that list of ten? At what part are you at in the process? Uh, what if I only heard like <laughs> one <laughs> four, seven and ten? <laughs> Okay, so you're in seven, sanctification. <laughs> so, but yeah, so we're on election today. Um, so I guess the first thing we need to do is define election. So election is what happens every four years. When, I'm sorry. Okay. We're, I'm, okay, I'm done with that joke. I promise. Um, Trump 2020. <laughs> That was actually louder because you kept your hands than had you been right in the microphone. I'm trying to be a soundboard. Yeah. More when you laugh at you gotta go <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um <laughs> Alright, this is a real serious topic, guys. We need to we need to get it together, okay? Alright, everybody, serious eyes. Cl- clear eyes, full heart. Get loose. <laughs> okay. Election. This is the definition we're going to be working with from election. We workshopped a few different definitions. Um, I think this is the one we are most comfortable with and that we will, especially with where we're going today. So this definition, this is also from Grudem Systematic, and he defines election as an act of God before creation in which he chooses some people to be saved not on account of any foreseen merit in them, but only because of his sovereign good pleasure. So I think that's a that's that's a pretty good definition. Um, so we will kind of be using today for this episode the words election and predestination kind of interchangeably. And so we, that's kind of where we're coming from. And I know in our culture, I guess we've got to say this, Especially the word predestination is almost like a uh, a curse word, but um, yeah, get that censor button ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what if we just censored it out every time? We... So in church, the word "beep" is typically a curse word. <laughs> but um, so so yeah, but predestination is something we think you should a word you shouldn't be scared of, um, and it's a word that can be found multiple times in the Bible. And so that's what we're going to do right now is just give you, I think, and these are not by far, these are not all of the examples, but these are just seven that we found quickly of examples, especially in the New Testament where election and predestination is mentioned. So Joy, if you'll read Romans 8, uh, 28 through 30. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And to those whom he called, he also justified. And to those whom he justified, he also glorified. Yep. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 12. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly, heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Remember that. To the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Joy, if you want to look up First Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. Already there. Ooh, Bible drills. Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. Okay, and then I'm going to read Second Thessalonians 2.13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you, as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Joy, if you want to look up Second Timothy 1, verse 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. I'm going to read First Peter 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect, exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Um, so we see there that elect exiles, like even elect is typically, sometimes in the New Testament, that's how the church is referred to. Now if you want to read Revelation for chapter 13, verses 7 through 8. It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has not been slain. What? <laughs> who has been slain? Why did you read? Why did I say Why not? Why did you just add a word in there? He's, he's definitely been slain. Okay, well, we're going to put a halt on election and we're going to talk about the crucifixion of Jesus um, because of apparently joy thinks the lamb hasn't been slain but uh stats you still with us i'm here okay um so just <laughs> added a word so we see that <laughs> just randomly <laughs> you knew you did it as soon as you did it but so we see there like clearly like chosen predestined elect like it's all through scripture um it tends to be something that's just understood and stated throughout the new testament um, so, I, as R.C. Sproul would say, the question is not, does the Bible teach predestination? The question is, what does the Bible teach about predestination? Uh, I know I have, so having said that, 
I have many friends who I believe love Jesus, but they do not believe in any kind of predestination. And I just think that's has to be somewhat ignorant of all these verses. I mean, you have to ignore these. And having saying that, Ooh, being not a per- your friends anymore. Yeah. <laughs> being a person that at one time that was something I was taught not to believe in, or what I did not believe in. Um, I think Stats could also agree with that. Where um, when I met Stats, he was a person that did not believe in any of these words. Would you agree with that, Stats? I would agree with that. That's, yeah. that's about, I think the big question is, is for me at least, was, okay, I see the words, but why? None of this makes sense. If God could save everybody, why wouldn't he? That was the biggest thing for me. Yes. So, yeah, that that's a good question posed, okay? And, and we'll... We'll get into some other stuff with this, but let, let's let's go let's go ahead and answer that question right now, right? So, if you are not a if you are not a universalist, universalist being somebody that believes that everyone is saved, right? If you're not a universalist, that means you believe that not everyone is saved and not everyone will go to heaven. Okay. Yep. And whether you're lean more reformed or you lean more Arminian or your free will or your sovereignty of God or whatever, you've basically, everyone would say God desires all to be saved, right? That's in scripture. Yeah. Okay. Quote. Yes. God desires all to be saved, but not all are saved. Yet we would say God has the power to save all. That seems to be clear in scripture. So what you're saying is God desires all to be saved, but he desires something greater than he desires all to be saved. Is basically what no matter what camp you're in, you're saying that. God desire God does desire all to be saved, but not all are saved, and God doesn't fail. God doesn't not accomplish what he desires to accomplish, but so he must desire something more. So one one group in the group I used to hold to would say, God desires all to be saved. However, God desires to God's desire to give man free will and have man choose him is stronger than his desire to be saved. And therefore he leaves it up to man in his free will to choose him or to not choose him. Okay. We would say, and, and I think it seems to be more in line with scripture, God desires all to be saved, but God desires his glory more than he desires all to be saved. So, and this you really get into when you get into Romans 9, which we'll mention, but God desires to show his glory in all ways, <laughs> in, in all different ways. And through all different, through grace and mercy, but also through justice for and and wrath to those who have sinned against them. So that's why, yeah, yeah. So that's that's why we believe God doesn't save everyone. And uh, I know that might sound cold, that might sound bad, 
But that's looking at it from our perspective instead of looking at it from God's perspective and understanding that he would be just as perfect and just as righteous if he didn't save a single soul. Yeah, so that's kind of to answer the the question that Stats brought up. So what does the Bible teach about predestination? And I think the main thing you've got to come away with, like the main part of election and predestination, is that it is unconditional. What right. what does unconditional mean? What's your off the top definition of unconditional? There is no condition. Yep. No. Oh, yep. <laughs> got it right. <laughs> Thank you, Stance. Bye, bam. Yep. <laughs> unconditional means there are no conditions. Um, <laughs> yes. So unconditional that God did not like this wasn't a draft, and God only had. 50 picks and so he just picked the 50 best people like that's not how god did not choose people because they were gifted in a certain way or because they would add to his team or god in his in his sovereignty and in his in himself chose a people chose the church chose to save people for his glory we okay so so the first verse that that joy read was romans Eight twenty-eight through thirty. Can you can you look that verse up again, Joy? Oh yeah. And I think you know just a prime example of the unconditional. I mean, you look at the Israelites, people that he chose in the Old Testament. Absolutely, he didn't choose them because I mean, I think if you know anything about history, you know, like they weren't the like <laughs> the the Israelites, the the people of Israel, the Jews were not like they were nothing to be, I guess, noted of historically like they did not stand out like if you just look at your history books like the only reason we really even know anything about the israelites is because of the bible yeah (laughs) that's it you know but um can you read romans especially i think verse read read verse 29 i joy zoom it in on verse 29 read the first line (laughs) i will read it nice and slow yeah for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay, so those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. So this is the argument. For is See, there, there's foreknowledge. God looked through the, I forget the word, through the, through time. And through the lens. Through the lens of time and saw... Through the telescope of time, y'all just gonna keep throwing words out there. <laughs> um, through the through the monocle of time, <laughs> through the glasses of t- <laughs> through the time, the hourglass of time. Telescope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah. Okay. So the argument is there. See there. Foreknowledge. Those who he foreknew, he also predestined. So those who God looked forward into time saw that they would choose God. God predestined them because he saw that they would choose him. In in the golden chain of salvation, which is what what, what was it in Romans? Is foreknowledge, predestination, foreknew, um, predestined, called, justified, glorified. Yeah, so called, justified, glorified. Thank you for repeating what I just said. <laughs> I was reading. I, I tuned, tuned you out, man. Yeah. So, 
in that chain, first of all, we see God did everything. We have no role in in that in that salvation process. But we also see that's talking about the people that will be those whom he foreknew, he predestined, those whom he predestined, he called, those whom he called, he justifies, those whom he justifies, he also glorifies. Those are the saved, the church, those that'll be in heaven are the ones that are in that chain right there, right? But if you're saying foreknowledge and you're defining it that way, you're saying God foreknew everyone and then those that would show faith. But they're the ones that are foreknown are the ones that are predestined, are the ones that are called, are the ones that are justified, are the ones that are glorified. So it seems clear God did not foreknow everyone in the same way, which is why I think it, it there in that verse, foreknowledge can be better defined as like God personally and intimately before the foundations of the world knew us, the church. God intimately, so that's how you define foreknowledge. Hey, uh, as my boy Matt Chandler would say, there's a difference in knowing and knowing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so <laughs> we think what's meant by there is the second knowing. <laughs> An intimate knowledge, a personal Knowing, not just knowing the choices that someone would make, but actually knowing us. God knew us before the foundation of the world. So again, that whole chain there is we had nothing to do with, like we're, it's not those whom he foreknew and would have faith because they had faith, he would predestine. And then because they did this, he would call them. And then because they, no, it's unconditional, which stats, what does unconditional mean again? There are no conditions. Yep. That's the definition of unconditional. So we believe there also, not we believe, there are definitely also examples of God's unconditional choosing of people um, throughout Scripture. So one of those examples could be he chose Jacob and not Esau. Um, So Esau would have been, Esau was the firstborn. Esau was the man's man. Esau seemed to be the the person with the better future. Esau was by, by man's law and man's rule. Esau should have been the one chosen, but it's clear that God chose Jacob and God chose Jacob for his descendants for the nation of Israel to come from Jacob and not Esau. It even says in Romans chapter nine, verses 11 through 13, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, Okay, again, unconditional. In order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. And Paul just made our whole argument right there. Yeah, so we can just end it now. Yep. All right, we'll catch you all on the flip now. (laughs) But I mean, let me read that again, because that... This is scripture. This is the Apostle Paul, Romans 9, chapter, okay, Romans chapter 9, verses 11 through 13. Though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. So the purpose in the choosing is not Jacob and Esau, it's it's the purpose of election might continue. So another example we see is God chose David and not Saul. 
Saul was a foot taller than everyone else. Saul was this great soldier. Saul, but God chose David, the runt of the litter. The God chose the little, the little shepherd kid that likes to play musical instruments and hang out by himself out in the field with his sheep. Like that's who God chose. And then, so I mean, from just from both of those examples, you can see it was foreknowledge before they were born. Mm-hmm. He didn't look back and see if anyone was going to do good or bad. It's just yeah. this one, not the other. Yeah, one. because even after they're chosen, David really messes up. Yeah, he's the worst. <laughs> Jacob also. Like, there's a lot of times where Jacob was a horrible human being. God, did, it's clear that God did, and, and Esau even went on to be the father of great nations. Like, it wasn't because, like. They ended up to be just these great, perfect people, and God just knew that they would develop into these great, perfect people, so he chose them. That's not... God just chose them because he chose them. <laughs> yeah. So that the purpose of his election you know, might continue, is what it says in Romans 9. Another example is all of the apostles. Stats, were you going to say something? I was, but I'm going to let you talk. Okay. <laughs> is all of the apostles. I mean, these are the... Like when, so you got to understand kind of the context of the first century Jewish culture there is when a rabbi like Jesus was, he goes and he chooses people to follow him and to listen to his teachings. They're usually like the most educated, the most promising. And that's not who Jesus chooses. Jesus chooses a bunch of fishermen and tax collectors and, you know, just uneducated, just chooses them because. He chose them. low of the low. Yeah, and then another great example is a doubter, perhaps. Yeah, he chose. Yep, I mean he chose he he chose people that would like turn their back on him when he needed them the most. Like that's who he chose. Judas. Yeah, yeah, Judas also. Yeah, that was sing song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Judas. <laughs> I think it's the first time I've ever heard. Jesus' name sung. Um, I think another great example would be us. <laughs> like, would be me. Like there's no, and this is the, I think the biggest testament to me of God's unconditional election is knowing who I am, knowing the things I've done, knowing the struggles I've had, knowing that it had to be unconditional. Because if it wasn't unconditional, there was no way that God would choose me. There's not. A, there's no way that I would have chosen God. Like, yes. Like <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, I know myself enough to know, like, there's nothing good in me apart from Christ. Like, I'm, like <laughs> I would have never, like, there, I was an enemy in opposition to everything about God and everything that God was and completely out for myself. And then because of his election and his sovereignty, like he just changed that and I had nothing to do with it. No, it was just like a, it was like a light switch. Yeah. And praise God that he did that. So, I mean, you just see like throughout, like Joy mentioned in the Old Testament, the, the nation of Israel. For some reason, God unconditionally chose them to be his representative. 
um, the church, the it's it's all throughout Scripture. Um, we just gave you just a few of many examples. The whole the whole chapter of Romans nine seems to be like that's the point that that Paul is. Yeah, <laughs> Paul's making before before I was converted. I mean, I grew up in church and Sunday school. And the way we did Sunday school, we would literally just expositionally go through a book of the Bible. We did the Old Testament talking about the Israelites. I remember thinking, like, these guys are the worst. Like, you've just been like taken out of Egypt, out of captivity, and like. Yeah, you're wandering through the desert, but you're heading to the promised land, and all you do is complain. You build these idols. Then after after I was converted, reading back through it, I was like, that's me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We've also got Romans 9. I'm just going to read this this verse real quick because we, we're getting close to running out of time. Romans 9, verse 16 says, So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Our salvation does not depend on us. It depends on God. So quickly in closing here, um, wrapping up this podcast, how this is predestination and election is clearly something that the early church believed. And it's clearly something that's in. And, and honestly, it's, it's something that a lot of Christians throughout history have believed because it is seems to be so clearly in scripture. Um, so how should we respond to this? Um, I've got three ways that we should respond. First of all, for Christians out there, you should find comfort in this. This shouldn't scare you. This should be comforting. Um, Comforting that God's, the God that we worship and the God that we follow, his purposes will prevail. He can't, this also should bring you comfort for those that have loved ones, um, that know people, that are not Christians for those that, that are, you know, know people that are in opposition to God, that are outright against God. You should be comforted in the fact that at any point, God is powerful enough to overcome their opposition and change their heart. And we, that's why we pray is because we believe that God can do that. Just like he did to Paul on the road to Damascus. Just like he did with me. Just like he did with Joy. Just like he did with Stats. Like, God can do that. So you should be comforted. Second, Secondly, how should you respond? You should praise God because of this. Because God loved you enough to not let you continue in your selfishness and in your pride and in your hatred of him. But he loved you enough to overcome that. He loved you enough to give you the greatest thing in the whole universe, which is himself. Like we should praise him for that. We should praise him every day for that, knowing that it was that he did not see any good in us, but just his love was so great and so strong that it overcame everything that opposed us. And now it wasn't reckless, but okay, sorry, that's another okay. Um Ooh. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you hear that stats? Oh, the overwhelming. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to take that shot. That'll be S. Okay. Yeah. The third way we should respond is believing this, and and this is what the 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 biggest knock, I guess, um, that people say is people that believe in this, they aren't missional. 
I would say believing this should is the reason we are missional, is the reason we do evangelism, is the reason we share the gospel, because we believe that God will save people. <laughs> yeah. God will save people through the gospel. It's not like they have targets on their back or yeah. you know, like, oh, there he is. Yeah. Hey, do you know about Jesus? Yeah. We we believe that God loves us and God loves people and God will call people. We do missions all over the world because we believe that God has called, will call people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and they will all be in heaven. And the way he does that, the way he calls people in his sovereignty, the way he's chosen to do that is through the gospel proclamation of his people. Yeah. yeah. So we share the gospel because God's powerful. God will save people. God's elected people already. They're out there. Yep. Go therefore and find them. <laughs> I feel like you're about to quote the great. <laughs> about to quote the Great Commission, but then forget it. it came to my head. Yeah. It would have. It <laughs> Make disciples of all nations. There you go. Baptizing <laughs> them. And what is that? Matthew twenty-eight. Yep. Yep. So, it, hey, if you don't agree with us on this, it is what it is. Like, come and fight us. We don't. <laughs> we don't think this necessarily. Like, this is something um, you have to believe in exactly the way we believe it in order to be a Christian or in order for us to fellowship together or love one another or worship God together or praise him together or even go to the same church. Um, this is a, a open-handed issue and one that we can agree to disagree. You wouldn't be the first person to try and fight us. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, we need to tell that story one time, yeah. sometime. If you don't agree with us on this, I would also just encourage you, hey, these verses we mentioned, you got to do something with them. Read them, pray, ask God. I, I was there and I asked God, I got to the point where I just asked God, like, God, like, teach me what's true. Like, I just want to throw everything that I think and just through your word and your Holy Spirit, teach me what's true about yourself. I just encourage you to do that. And again, you might not come to the same conclusions we do. Um, and that's okay. But um, we love you anyways. So. Also, I, Steph Curry doesn't believe in predestination, so... Uh, he listens to Lecrae. <laughs> he still does it. Uh, he listens to Lecrae. <laughs> hey, he's the worst. He listens to Lecrae. Does Lecrae, though? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think if you listen to... Okay, sorry. Anyway, so um, we'll catch y'all next time. Uh, catch y'all on the flippity flip. <laughs> Are you, are you going to say some stats? Flippity flip You think I'm ready? You got that right. I look forward to it. You say I'm crazy for Jesus. That boy's done went insane. But I wrote with Paul to live as Christ and to die as gain. The man, the woman who will set their one goal to commune with God and to be with him, everything else will fall in place. Absolutely everything else will fall in place.